Welcome to Fantasy Books and How to Read Them. The fantasy book review podcast by this couple who's read more than a couple of fantastic books. We're your hosts, Sam. And Anna. And let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners. This is Sam. And Anna. And our good friend, Jackie. Hi. And in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing Name of the Wind, chapters 70 through 73. So, let's get down to business to defeat oh my <laughs> the hug. I can hear myself in the recording, so I think I'm going to be like a second delayed on everything. So I apologize when I interrupt in advance, but it's a false interruption. But also, I had just have to mention that I feel like both of the times I've been in this podcast, I've gotten so lucky and gotten some of my favorite chapters. And like, these ones are epic. I feel like, like this saga extends beyond like 70 to 73. But the, this is like another huge, like, turning point in the book. And like, a big like amalgam yeah i mean i know this book doesn't have like a linear plot but i feel like this is technically like the climax of this book oh yeah yeah this is the start of it definitely like the everything's like building up here like it starts to get really intense and like all the pieces of the plot start to like click together and it just gets really exciting (laughs) okay let's start Uh, chapter 70 signs we have Kavoth early the next morning waking up groggy, battered and bloody at an inn because he had been jumped on his way leaving the Aeolian. And ah, what an awesome sequence that was. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we're actually recording out of order, so we haven't recorded the episode for those chapters yet, but I'm very excited to talk about like how he gets jumped and like calls down well everyone thinks he calls down lightning and it's just like this huge like rumor surrounding like this whole encounter oh yeah totally and i feel like a piece of his facade that is like the legend of kavoth and it's like another like giant chunk of that puzzle too so it's like oh this is i love this chapter and i love debbie in this chapter too but like yeah we'll we'll get get there there in a minute we'll get there one thing I just want to relay, just because it was cool, though, is I do love that there's a whole myth of him calling down fire and lightning like Tarbalin the Great. And then later in the series, he truly does call lightning. Yeah. Down. Oh, yeah. Uh, Foreshadow. Anyway. We have our homeboy, Kavoth. And I like this part because it's a fragile moment where you get a glimpse back to kind of like his feral living in Tarbian where... He's, like, all cramped in the corner of this, like, in-room, and he's got, like, the dresser against the door, and he was kind of just, like, embarrassed because he was afraid to, like, get found and be, like, attacked again in his sleep. Yeah, well, he wakes up and he's like, oh, this looks kind of like a crazy person. Like, I put all the furniture against the door and, like, ran from my room at Ankers, and now I'm hiding Mm -hmm. here. And he's scarier in the dark, so he was, like, just running on an adrenaline high, and he wakes up the next morning, he's like, oh, this looks a little bit strange like did i play it up in my head but then he just goes downstairs into the main part of the bar the bar one thing that i thought was like silly but important to me was like he talks about how like before he like goes downstairs he like looks at his cloak and like he had gotten the cut on his side and it like ripped through his cloak and he like even says like I began to sew it closed using tiny stitches so the seam wouldn't be obvious. Like, it's just another level of, like, his vanity and being, like, 
he doesn't want anybody to know that he's ever been anything less than like perfectly prosperous and like he's embarrassed that he was like so uncivilized and like in a place like the university like he's like crouched in a corner and like has a like rent in his cloak and like stuff like that i think it's also like he doesn't want anyone to know he got hurt or like someone was able to like ruin his cloak like the same reason why he doesn't go to the masters to tell them what happened he's like oh it's just better for ambrose to think i walked away completely unscathed like why make a big deal about it yeah sure there's a really cool quote that I believe he says to Master Arwal after he gets whipped, where it's like, if your enemies don't think that you can be hurt, it's like a protective armor. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. So, definitely part of that persona, even still. Like, he definitely, his cloak is like his identity piece. He doesn't want that to look tarnished. He doesn't want to look hurt. It's yeah. all his vanity. So he's like sitting there like doing like tiny little stitches in the bar trying to figure out what to do and his mind's kind of racing. He's like, should I just run? No, I have so much invested here. Like I've got my studies. I want to learn naming. And then of course, Denna is like one big reason why he doesn't want to leave. And then he started hearing these other people in the like tap room talking about blue fire that happened at a wedding. Like there was this wedding in the north and everyone was like killed. And the buildings were burned down in a blue flame. And of course, Will's like, oh my god, that's super important. So he tries to talk to them. He doesn't really get a lot of information from them except for that they came from Trayvon. He does say that he uh, like heard that there was trouble with the wedding. And the guy gets suspicious because he's like, well, how would you know that it happened last night? Like, I'm the first one down here. Mm. Which tells him like, the Shandrian were in Trayvon literally the night before and i don't know if it's related to the fact that he also got attacked the night before like it might just be coincidence but he gets very excited to go find the shandrian yeah and i also think it was like super uncharacteristic of him like how much he screwed up with that guy like his story sucked and like he couldn't get any information because he just couldn't lie right and like that's super not like him but it's also like is that because you got jumped last night or is that because this is about the shandrian Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, he does, like, not have a good story. He's like, uh, where did you guys come from? Like, it, oh, absolutely. it's so weird just, like, talking to someone, like, who's clearly having a private conversation. And he, like, just doesn't have anything, like, useful to say. And he needs more information, but he just, like, stumbles his way through. It literally reminds me of the interaction in, like, Dungeons and Dragons, where you're trying to, like, insert yourself into the plot or conversation. You'll just, like break the fourth wall and be like, who are you? Why are you doing this? Like, I do not play Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. You know, I'm like many levels of a nerd, but like that part hasn't touched me, I must admit. Well, anyways. Um, well, we're always really bad at asking questions. Like, we never know, like, how to get information from characters, so we just kind of walk around and we're like, hi, what are you doing? <laughs> so, Wait, do you have so- to ask? I thought it was like all your people. Like, I thought it was like all your friends. Yeah, but there's, like, characters in the plot that, like, the dungeon master, like, it's basically, like, you know, in a video game you run around and there's, like, people you can talk to who are just, like, part of the game. Oh, yeah, okay, I get you. Sounds fun or whatever. Yeah, so, like, sometimes if you're trying to get information, you have to, like, talk to them, but it's, I I never know what to ask. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, what are you doing? What's going on here? Hello, good fellow. And that's why I love this, because Kabul's all, like, awkward, yes. like, how that's are you? <laughs> she just turned around and been like, hey, I heard what you were saying. 
like I have family in those parts. Do you have any more information? Yeah, I I feel like I immediately like, I would have been like, are you talking about a wedding? Like I had a cousin at a wedding or something like that, and they would have been like, which is why the he wedding in Trebon, and I would have been like, yeah, obviously. What other wedding would I be talking about? Yeah. I think it's because also we take for granted. Like he was well into his cups with Diok at the alien, so he was really drunk when he got attacked, and then was subsequently attacked, and then. I had to sleep all that off, so he's pretty probably hungry. Meanwhile, slept cramped in a corner, like, <laughs> scared for his life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was on a bed, just he'd push the furniture against Oh, the why did I? I thought he was just, like, in a corner. Like, I, in my brain, I, like, pictured him, like, uneasy to use the bed. No, I think he, I That's think he I rented a too. hotel room, or, like, a room at an inn, because he said he didn't really have any money, because he spent it on breakfast to shower and room. Oh. So, unless... Reason was too scared to sleep in his bed. <laughs> no, it does say I care. All right, where is it? Say? I was curled up in the corner ballroom. I lay on a blanket and I was wrapped in my cloak. Yeah, so he was all crumpled in the corner. <laughs> Oops. Uh, just like a feral boy in a corner. Why is there no bed? In no, this there field? is. No, there was he was afraid. The- <laughs> like I think he uses the bed against the wall, uh, against the door too. The, oh. bed, the bed in the dresser. That's why he's embarrassed. He woke up and there's like a stockpile of furniture against the door. And he's like a crumpled heap against okay. the corner. Oh. All right, all right, all right. So he like totally screws up with these guys and like doesn't get any info, but he knows like immediately he needs to get to Trebon fast. And so he needs a horse. And so who does he call but Debbie because you boys broke and can't afford a horse? I love this I love this part. part. I love this part. Well, first of all, like, Debbie's one of my favorite characters ever. Like, I just think she's so funny and so smart and, like, cool. But I think one of my favorite parts, because she mentioned how, like, oh, like, you know, like, some of my people, like, heard some redheaded kid, like, called down lightning last night. Like, heard anything about that? And he's like, haha, maybe. And she was like, I knew it was you. Like, this is another, like, she, like truly can see through his like bs and i think that's like resonates through their whole relationship with each other and i feel like he has a very special relationship with denna and devi like two women in his life who can totally see through him because like denna every time he lies to her he's like she's like i'd rather you not tell me than lie to my face just don't tell me and so she like is another one who can see through him too i think it's true too because devi like kavoth is just surrounds himself with so much rumor and like Mm -hmm. mystique that people think he has this like huge reputation, but Devi's the one person he had to go to when he had nothing, and he was like, "Look, like everyone knows who I am, but I'm in this really tight space. I have no money. I'm poor. I have no assets," and had to be very honest and upfront about that. And so I do like how he can let his guard down with her, like how he comes in and she's like, "You didn't even clean your bandages here. Like, let me help you." Yeah. Yeah. So they do have a relationship because she is his like money lender, but she actually like cares about him as a yeah, person. Yeah, totally. Yes. And then he, she also says like, "Oh, I thought you weren't supposed to bleed." Like another legend proved false. So she's like, every single <laughs> like piece that. of him, he, she just like kind of gets to the truth of him. Yeah, she definitely has a good job of like pulling back the curtain. And I think a big part of it too is that she also studied at the university, so she knows the truth behind like the mystique. So like. She under, obviously understands, like, stuff at the Medica and understands sympathy very well. So she knows, like, the limitation to people's abilities. So when there's a rumor going down of, like, Kavoth called down fire and lightning, she's like, that's yeah, that's definitely not true. What's, like, the actual story? 
Well, it was also, she didn't necessarily, like, the rumor says it was a, a boy with red hair, so she knows immediately who it is. And then Kavoth is like, all right, tell some rumors of your own. Tell everybody it was me. Like, please associate my name with this. Because he wants to use it as Yeah, defense. and then he goes off and he's like, he's tell them I'll kill their dogs and, like, kill them in the street and, like, all crazy. Yeah, like, them and their families. Yeah. And I do like that she's like, that's awfully dark and intense. Like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, she's not really into it. I thought she'd be a little bit more into, like, spreading rumors because she seems to love, like, gossip yeah. and, like, knowing the dirt on people. But she was like, that's... Well, and far. she also says, like, I, I think like she gets paranoid exactly. because she's like, hey, they're probably just going to beat you up. Like, why are you, like, making this a thing? And he was like, no, they were going to kill me. And she's like, I don't know. And then he, like, shows her, like, isn't isn't that before he shows her the wound and, like, he shows her the wound and she's like, oh, shit, like, maybe that's actually pretty bad. Like, maybe they were going to kill you. Yeah. yeah, she was like, are you sure they weren't just, like, trying to scare you a little bit? And she thought maybe he'd gotten a loan from a couple mm-hmm. other hawks who, like, maybe are more threatening than her or like maybe ambrose was doing it to like put him back in his place but kavoth is like no i'm 100 percent sure they were trying to kill me like here look at my wound which is how she ends up helping him clean it and like gives him stitches and everything yeah yeah and so then she does like say she's gonna spread like some like gentle rumors but like she's not gonna go like nuts and so he's like excited about that but then he like very boldly is like I need 20 talents. And she's like, are you crazy? Like, you're literally owe me four and I don't even think you can get me four. Like, why would I give you 20? And so this is where, like... Yes, by the end of next term, you'll owe me 35 talents of just interest. Yeah, Yeah. and so then she's like, so what do you have that's worth that much? And so he tells her that he has access to the archives. And he's like, this is where he starts. This is, like, the beginning of the end. I mean... He is upfront. She's like, that's a lot of ifs. Like, if you can get into the archives, if you can find a way. But she makes the deal on the concession that he will take her if he can find yeah. a way. Yeah. But also, like, it's kind of his, like, trooper's facade that he, like, read her immediately. Cause the second that he said it, he sees, like, hunger in her eyes and, like, desperation in her eyes. And so, like, she too is, like, obsessed with getting into the archives and he knows that like she she'll do anything for that and so like she he knows it's worth 20 talents what i was trying to like think about this as i was reading it today because i was like it's it's the archives like yes it's a huge source of knowledge but like why does she want so badly to be there and then i was thinking about how hard it is to like come by actual knowledge and research in this world and i feel like it would be the equivalent of someone like having all access to the internet taken away nowadays like I look stuff up all the time on Google. It's just like, I'll Google things that I need to know all the time. And if like that got taken away, I'd be super frustrated. So, and I feel like that's kind of the same situation she's in, especially because she knows sympathy and knows how to do these advanced things. And now that she's not in the university anymore, she can't like further her knowledge of them. But she also doesn't have access to anything but like her very, very small library of books. Yeah. So I also think like Debbie's like really smart. And I feel like, like, she might not be after, like, the same, like, level of secrets that, like, Kavos after, but, like, I think she does know that there's something, like, bigger in the archives. Like, it's not just, like, learning sympathy and it's not just learning, like, like how to treat patients. It's, like, something huge. And, like, it might be something else or something, like, subtly related that they don't know they're both looking for the same thing type of thing. But I always thought, like, she, because she has such a drive and such a thirst for it that it's got to be something 
huge for her too. Like, and, and I have no idea what that would be, but like, that's just what I thought. I don't know. I mean, she does have like bits of everybody's blood. Mm -hmm. She doesn't strike me as a person who'd want to know more about like how to use that blood for magic or malfeasance, but that's the only thing I can think of. I was thinking more like a mythical thing, like something like the Chandrian and like the doors of stone and like the, like that level of like knowledge, like not just like the books and like learning bad magic, but like learning like the secrets of Ray and learning like the secrets of like, you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. Yeah. Do we know why she left the university? When was she kicked out? I forget. She was kicked out. I don't think it was ever revealed why. Maybe it has something to do with that. Like maybe she was doing maybe something. Was like, yeah, I just assumed she was doing some bad stuff, and they like busted her. I mean, theoretically, she could have been doing like some experimental stuff mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and that's why she wants access to the archives. True, because like somebody says that she was like very powerful and very smart. So I'm wondering if it was like like this is like kind of spoil sport, but like later, like when she's like using blood and like that stuff. I don't want to like spoil too much, but like that whole part when like they say she's like an ocean like all of a sudden all of her power like a mass is over them like she's like an ocean power i just assumed it was something like that where she got too strong and they were like you're you're dark and like get out yeah maybe it was like she was just too strong i don't know i mean we know we can she can split her mind into seven Mm. yeah i would do like seven strong sympathetic bindings so like she's clearly extraordinarily powerful so if she was just like doing something that scared the masters they may have like yeah. cut her off i'm so glad you just mentioned seven because i forgot about that and like reading these last four chapters seven came up so much and like why is seven important like i i can't really remember what? The well, seven. The seven well yeah but then like there's seven like seven is for good too like denna like i'm getting ahead of it but like they specifically mentioned that denna's lyra has seven strings and like that Quoth always talks in seven words and like I don't know maybe it's just related to the Chandra and I'm like being weird about it but like I just feel like all of a sudden I was like wait seven is everywhere no it's fair it's definitely a reoccurring theme and it's I don't know what the intent is or like if there's a subconscious push but I feel like with all his writing it's never just put in by accident. No. Well, Seven's, like, lucky in our world, too. Like, Seven has a lot of lucky associations and symbolism. Like, it comes up in biblical references a lot. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, like, my favorite thing is, like, Kavolt's callback to his first interaction with Devi, where he's like, it's 20 talents or nothing. I'm sorry, I didn't make that clear from the beginning. Oh, yeah, he's like, this is not a negotiation, or, like, whatever. He's like, woo! Oh yeah. yeah, he really pushes for it. Yeah. So so she ends up giving him the twenty in yeah. exchange for access to the library. But does he also give her his loot as collateral? His loot, the talent pipes, something else. Uh, rhetoric That's right. No, he wouldn't give her that. Yeah. Didn't he say no? I don't think so. I don't know. He like made us think about it, but said, I'm not sure if he didn't. He said she could have whatever she wanted from her pack, and he didn't want to give her the lamp, the lamp, the um, burglar's lamp that he'd made for Kilvin's class. Because that's what he's been using to, like, snoop around to get into the library. He also promised Kelvin that he wouldn't give it to anybody else. But I think he was able to keep that in exchange for, like, promising access to the archives when he finds it. Mm. Hmm. So I think that's the end of the chapter. He gets the loan, and he is trying to be on his way. Chapter 71. Strange Attraction. 
So this part's great. Now that Kabolt has got his loan for 20 talents, he's heading over to uh, a livery where he meets a Kaldish man and he's looking to buy a horse. And Oh, we forgot to mention in the first chapter, he found out that Trayvon's about 70 miles away. So, so he has a, a bit of a hike. So that's why he's here to get a horse. And like, I love how aggressive he is with the Seelish, like horse salesman. Like he's like, I'm not here to banter. I'm not here to talk to you. You have 10 minutes to give me a horse. And if I don't walk out of here with a horse in 10 minutes, a perfect horse, then I'm leaving and taking my business elsewhere. But like, I will pay you a ton of money if you just shut up and give me a horse. And the guy's like, there's no way to buy a horse. Like, this is going to be your wife for the road. And he's like, shut up. I just want a horse. No, he's like, I don't have time. And if you sell me a bad horse, I will come back and I will burn down your house. And then as you're running out of your burning house, I'll kill you, hook you, and eat you in front of all of your neighbors. Like, I don't have time. We have to... I know, but I was like, if somebody literally told me they were going to, like, beat me in the street and eat me in front of my children, I would be like, you should find a new horse salesman. Like, (laughs) I'm not the one. I'd either be like, find a new one, or, like, please just... I will not say anything. You pick what you want and pay me and be on your way as fast as possible. Oh, totally. And it's a good thing that Kabuth thinks he knows a good amount about horses. In the end, he does get kind of cheated. <laughs> he's like, oh, my parents like taught me all about horses because, you know, we had to always have them as we were traveling as a Dimaru and people would always try to sell us like their worst horses. So like, I know what to look for. I'm very well versed in this. <laughs> but then also he's like, just like talking, like they bring out this like big, beautiful black, like giant horse. I forget the name of the horses. Well, Kabul's like starts talking to the horse to like help him pick his name. He's like, are you a, a blackie? Are you a midnight? And like, he's just like trying to like talk to the horse. So it gets used to the sound of his voice. And then he ends up switching into Kialdish when he's talking to the horse and picks the name... Like Cassock or something? Well, um, it's he was like trying to say Twilight and he couldn't like figure out the word for it in Siaru that he couldn't figure out the, the word for it. And so he was like, are you Keth Sahan? And he, th- he thinks it means first night. And so he's like, oh, you like that name, don't you? And the horse is like kind of responding to it. So he's like, that's that's a good name for this horse. Like, I think that's his name. And so the horse salesman is like super uncomfortable out of nowhere. And he's like, kind of asks a couple more questions. And he's like, so Kavoth's like, okay, you have like one minute to make this deal. He's great, but like, I'm not giving you 20 talents. Because the second this horse came out, the guy was like, this horse is all black. He's perfect. He can ride for like 100 miles, blah, blah, blah. Kavolt's like, I don't care. I'm not paying you 20 talents. Like, I will pay you, like, give me the price of the animal. Like, give me a better price or something like that. And he's like, if I can get a 19, then that gives me, like, one talent for food and lodging. And all of a sudden, as soon as he says the horse's name, the guy's like, how about 16 talents? Like, he goes way down and won't meet Kavolt's eye and is, like, being weird about it. And so Kavolt is like, all right, well is there anything else I need to know? And the only thing that the guy says is that the horse shies a little bit on its right side. And he like has nothing else to say to Kabul. Yeah. So, and so Kabul thinks he's like made it out. Like he's so excited and he's like, wow, I can't believe that just worked. Like I didn't think he was even going to come down from 20. Yeah. He ends up getting it for 15, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a little leftover. And then that also pays for like the saddle and the tack and the oats and like 
all this extra stuff that he's like, holy crap, like I'm great at this. <laughs> I'm so good. And I know everything about horses. <laughs> I think it's uh, similar to way back in Tarbian when he like pretended to be the like rich lordling and is like, give me clothes, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he thinks it's a similar situation. He's like, I'm so great at this. Like, good thing I have all my acting roots. But do you guys think that like the way he picked the horse's name is almost like naming? I don't know. Yeah, I thought I, of that. I was I like, "Who are you like tapping into some naming thing? But then I'm like, also, are you just like, it's like every single legend about you again, that you are just stupid and you got lucky that somebody thought you were smarter than you were. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know, though, because it's like perfect example. So like, there's that whole fan theory that Ari is a Princess Ariel, mm -hmm. but when Alodin asks Kavoth, why do you call her Ari? He was like, oh, it's just a name I picked for her. And it ends up being, like, an appropriate name. Yeah, so I think he does have a subconscious, like, tendency to do well with naming, even if he doesn't realize it. Yeah. I think it's one of those things he tries to do, but he can't, but when he's not paying attention. Yeah, I think so, too, because like you're right. He was just, like, talking to this horse and, like, not thinking about it much. So it could just yeah. be that he's like in that like namers world when he's doing that. Yeah, like that mindset. Like I have a friend who's left-handed and if she's not paying attention, she can write perfectly with her right hand. But if you like ask her to do it, she can't. So maybe it's just something like that. Like if he's like not thinking and like his brain is just kind of like elsewhere, it works. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. He uh, gets the horse. The reason he thinks he's getting such a good deal is because he's like, maybe the horse was stolen, or like maybe this um, horse seller is desperate for money. Like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't. Put he doesn't really yeah. question it, especially because he needs the money anyway. So he's like, great, a good deal. I'll give him fifteen, and like, I need to like be on this horse riding out of here as fast as possible, and I like need to ride for like probably six hours or so. Yeah. Okay. One of like a really cool line that I like heard is when he's like riding the horse he's like going down or whatever and he says like the drumming of his hooves was like a counterpoint to the slow song of the wind endlessly burning past my ears once again just like beautiful imagery and beautiful lines by this beautiful author who like always has something like there's always something like it's never just a casual line like there's always something but total side note and it never is just like oh i rode for several hours and passed like he just he doesn't like jump ahead in time very often so, like, he gives you, like, descriptions of, like, how the land is changing and becoming more rural and, like, the sun is slowly coming up because both like, got on his journey so early. And he he does mention that, like, he loved the imagery of himself, like, riding along on this big, gigantic black horse, just, like, thundering past people with his cloak streaming out behind him. But his cloak is actually, like, pulling really hard on his neck. And so even though it's, like, dramatic and grand, it's really uncomfortable. So he has to take it off. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I wrote that down, too. Also, I like the realism with this whole chapter because I don't ever ride horses and I don't know, like, the proper way to, like, do a long ride with a horse. And so there's, like, interesting moments of, like, he has to have him, like, go from, like, a trot to a gallop and then, like, slowly work his way up to running and then periodically, like, slow down and drink water but not too much so he doesn't cramp. Or, like, there's a whole part where, like... Yeah, he goes through a stream twice. He's worried that, like, the horse's muscles will get too cold. So they has to, like, warm him up and then slowly go from, like, walk to trot to gallop again. Things I wouldn't have considered. Yeah, sure. So it's just good detailing. I think it creates a little bit of realism. Can a horse actually run? 
like 60 to 70 miles and he ends up getting to his destination around like just before noon. Yeah, well also like it ended so, up being shorter than he thought. Like it was only like 50 miles, I think. Cuz remember how they were talking about like yeah. all these like units of measurements are like bullshit that like these farmers tell each other and like they don't really know it's just so they can put a number to it. So he he says it can be anywhere between like 40 and 80 miles, but he like decides to like look on the bad side of things and be like it has to be at least 70, but it ends up only being 50. Horses can totally, totally run that far. Not if they're like decked down though. So like with a rider, like I, I don't know. Like I don't know enough about horses to say for sure. But like, like in the wild, like wild mustangs can run like a hundred miles in a day and be fine. So like, in theory, yes. Oh wow. Well, I'm also assuming that like Kavoth isn't really carrying too much with him. He's pretty light. I'm assuming he's like a slim person. So I don't think it doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility. I just wasn't super sure. Yeah, I could also be talking, like, straight on my butt, but, like, I'm pretty sure that's the truth. (laughs) I believe you. You know more about animals than either of us. Yeah, but, like, horses are, like, a crazy... Like, they don't even count. They're, like, a whole beast on their own. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they do pretty good in the wild. I know that. I'm assuming, like, this horse sounds like the most professional horse on Earth. So I'm just assuming it all makes sense. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> after like long riding, Kavoth actually encounters a tinker yeah. on the road. So did, did either of you listen to the audiobook for this no. part? I did not. The guy who does the audiobook is really good, but the tinker's voice is like, Hello, Kavoth! I am the tinker! Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> it's like raspy, but also like kind of gummy at the same time. <laughs> Definitely check it out. <laughs> I just love it. This whole interaction is pleasant and interesting too, because Kabul's like, how far is it to Trayvon? He's like, oh, it's only like a half mile. And yeah, so he's really close. He's trying to sell the horse to the tinker and also get some supplies from him. Well, the tinker wants to buy the horse from him. Yeah. Because his mule went lame. I don't know. I was really reminded of Ben by this guy because he has the donkeys and I don't know if that's just like a classic tinker thing. But Ben had two donkeys that he ha- kept with him. But this tinker has is like stuck kind of at like a crossroads because his donkey's oh has a bruise in her hoof. I don't really know what that means. Means we can't walk. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> Good thing we brought an animal expert onto it. <laughs> Thank God. This horse is what I've been waiting for my whole life. <laughs> oh, good. Can you come back and talk to us about the Dracus? Because you know, oh yeah, that seems like something definitely I know lots and lots about Dracai. <laughs> They're my favorite. You just have to pin them down. I mean, nothing says a good day at the animal hospital like lots yes. of Dracai. They're really like a boisterous bunch, and they're super easy to treat and like lovely, and never attack you. <laughs> a boisterous bunch. Party lizard. <laughs> Missourian Jackai. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the donkey cannot walk, so the tinker wants to buy Kvothe's horse from him because he needs to get to some docks to the east uh, to catch a boat. Kvothe obviously wants to sell this horse because he has made it to his destination and can't afford to like feed and stable the horse anymore, but he doesn't want to look too desperate. So he's like, well, this is a full-blooded Kershayan horse and like it's the best horse I've ever seen and she's or he I don't know is black from like tip to tail and the tinker is kind of like 
Bro, you lying. Yeah, you just really Why are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> Both like tries to ride it. He's like, Well, I'm one of the Edimaru. I would never lie to a tinker. So the tinker kind of takes it back. Which is so interesting. Oh, and then this too, is where. Because it's like the working folk. Like, this is the only situation. Like, a tinker is the only person who knows that they are actually good people and, like, wouldn't lie because, like, everyone else calls them, like, the, li- the lying rah and, like, all this stuff and he's like oh i'm sorry to you and your family like how could i offend you so yeah Yeah. i love this like weird arrangement that like tinkers and i think it's just like people who travel a lot kind of like are band together i don't know they're yeah they're like outcasts Mm -hmm. and like a little subculture of groups that like get along with each other i think it's yeah i do too but this is the guy like apologizes and this is where kavoth is like well it's a full-blood kersayan and he's He's a fully black horse, like, not, like, a white hair on him. He's beautiful. And the tinker laughs because at one point they had run through the stream, the stream that had these solvents from, like, a tannery or a mine. And it washed off this dye that had been on the horse, coloring it black. So it was not an all-black horse. The tinker, like, laughs at him. He's like, oh, you're a terrible liar. Like, your horse has a white leg. And this is where he finds out that Kethselhan is, like, not the words for twilight or first night it actually translates <laughs> to one sock which is actually coincidentally oh, clever super clever that's what i mean like i feel like kabuth must have subconsciously like named him one sock <laughs> unintentionally and then it prophesized and became true like it's just yeah weird. but it's also funny because that's the reason why the guy clammed up so much and was like yep you can have him for 15 like that's fine goodbye it worked out perfectly. He was like, uh-oh, like, you're on to me. Uh, 15's good, bye, please yeah, go like, away. Yeah, like, Although, if, if someone threatened to, like, come and burn my house down, if they sold me not a good horse, and then I sold them a horse I had died, I'd be like, Shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's gonna, like, ruin my life. But, anyway, Kavoth ends up agreeing to maybe barter with the Tinker, and yeah. ask the Tinker what he has in his packs, and the Tinker offers him a loaded stone. Which is just a big magnet, I think. It's like a magnetic piece of ore. Yeah, it's like sky iron. I think what they mean by sky iron is like a meteorite. I'm assuming, yeah, right? yeah I don't is really know. It means? But either way, it's super valuable and super rare. Yeah, so he could take it back to the university and definitely make some money with it to pay Debbie back. So it's kind of yeah. like good collateral. Yeah, and the tanker said he'd been up in the mines the past couple of days, so he didn't know about the wedding. But since he'd been in the mines, I'm assuming that's where he got this stone. So Kamoth trades in the stone for the horse and... He also gets some, like, clothes, some rope. Yeah, so it's funny. Kamoth's like, alright, I'll trade you this, the horse for the stone. And then at the last second, is like, what are you going to give me for his mm-hmm. bridle and saddle? He's like, oh good, like, you're not a pushover. Yeah, you're not simple. You're not you're yeah. not stupid. You're one of them smart huh? boys. <laughs> So Kaboth then asked the Tinker what what was like the gossip on like the wedding. The Tinker doesn't yeah, know anything like, about nope, that. Everybody's no, fine. <laughs> like I think it was a big deal. Like they spent a lot of money on the wedding. They spent a lot of time getting ready. But that's all I know about it. And so Kaboth is in his, the back of his mind is like, did I just work myself into a panic? Take out this enormous loan from Devi. Run seventy miles away from where I'm supposed to be to like follow this maybe nothing that's hilarious <laughs> like could you imagine if it was just like a case of like 
misunderstanding and like you know how rumors get passed down and it's almost like telephone where like they get like morphed mm-hmm, into something else mm-hmm. i feel like he could have been like just totally duped by this oh entire absolutely situation. and he's like thoughtless when it comes to the children too so he like does this stuff all the time you're just like pay attention like what are you doing i know and he's like well it's that's the only chance i have i have to follow it and yeah. it's like impulsive super impulsive and even he even mentions like way back that like if he misses his shift at the medica his tuition next term is going to be higher and like for someone who's constantly having difficulty paying their tuition to run and take out an exorbitant loan with no actual plan mm-hmm. of how to pay it back and then just skip out of school and not tell anyone where you went and just like disappear for a few days seems super yes, strange to absolutely. me he's just like completely desperate he's like well i have to follow the shandri and that's my calling in life i yeah. guess i gotta go and so then he walks into trayvon and like the first thing he says which i thought was cool is like when i was you know with my troop i had to learn how to size up a town because like you know it didn't really matter when you were in the tavern if you could size them up because like if you tell a bad joke they like jeer at you and that's pretty much that but like if you mistake a town that might accept you for one that might not like that can get you killed and so like he sizes up Tribon yeah. and like pretty much what he says is that like it's a really small town so like everyone will know when you don't live there like they'll know that you're an other but like they, he also says they seem like very superstitious and very suspicious of like newcomers he was saying they were setting up like shamblemen outside their houses which is like clearly like an old superstitious thing and he said their church was like gigantic and really big so he's worried that they're going to be like very pious yes. to a fault i guess and uh, just like very close-minded so he's a little bit nervous he does say that they are between the mining town and the the docks where the tinker was going so he's assuming that like they are used to some visitors so he thinks he'll be okay so he goes into the the inn and this time he has a much better story uh <laughs> than when he talked to the other guys but he's like hey i had a cousin who was here for a wedding and i heard there was some trouble can anybody tell me what's going on but as soon as he says wedding, the innkeeper, like, scowls and the, the other people in the bar kind of, like, look away and, like, clearly are trying to not get involved. They seem really sketched out that he's asking, like, aren't too happy about this person showing up and asking about this tragedy. And the innkeeper just says, like, I don't want to say anything about it. Like, it's too, it was bad. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Kavoth is like, but I, I really need to come up and see what happened to my cousin. Like, nobody knows can you please help me? And so they do say that one person who survived, she wasn't from here, so she might be her cousin. Like, go upstairs and see who it is. And then it's fucking Denna. Always where she's not supposed to be. Why Denna? Why? God. I don't understand. (laughs) And she's, like, all busted up, so he's going to be all, like, crazy again. And, like, oh, my God, it's just always Denna. It's funny because she's obviously so much more than, like, a plot Oh, absolutely. I'm interested to see what's going to happen come book three, because all the things that she gets involved with and surrounds herself with and her interaction with Convoke is such a provocation for him. Yeah. And so she influences him in so many ways, and it's going to be really interesting to see how, in the series, Mm -hmm. how it pans out. Well, I think from a writing perspective, too, like, yes, he could run off to this town and it, he could just encounter a complete stranger, which would be logical, but kind of boring. 
and he could talk like he could go there and it could be Denna and it could just be like a romantic thing but because she's involved in all these like shady things and has a patron who she won't talk about and like was in this town where the Shandrian just were and like has all these weird associations like I don't understand what her character is up to or like her back plot because we don't get enough and Kvothe doesn't get enough to know like what's going on with her but I feel like she's a very shady character and I don't care for her. And she's always a brat. Like, she just sucks. I really don't like her at all. She's such a brat. I just feel like his, like, obsession with her and his attraction to her. Like, I feel like she is frustrating. She never, like, opens up. I think he's, like, caught up in her mystique. But I feel like I would find her to be annoying and, like, Totally. And I feel like for him, she, to him, is what he is to, like, the rest of the world. So, like, the mystique and the gossip and the, like mystery like it's almost like his own reflection and that's why he's so like intrigued by it i think and i don't think he knows that but like that's what i've always thought wow it's a that's cool true. parallel i never even thought about that well not in the last set of chapters too he has that conversation with Dayak where Dayak's like look she's a girl with no family and like no prospects like she's got to do what she's got to do and Kavoth sympathizes with her a lot more for like however she gets her money and like has to make her way in the world but he hadn't even really like thought about her as a person he was just like she's so mysterious like i i love her like i don't know anything about her but like the mystique is just too much like i'm drawn in like i feel like he's just like a moth to the flame like you're an idiot you keep going back and getting burned every single time but you don't actually care that much about like who she is as a person and like i know she has pride and he has pride but like if you really really cared like don't you think you would try and help someone instead of just being like well, she's on her uh-huh, own. The world. Absolutely, Bye. but it's also him being like an idiot boy because, like, we for we forget that he's also still like sixteen. That's yeah. true. Yeah. He is really young. But one thing, this comes up really quickly in the next chapter, and it was just like the tiniest sentence, but it, it's I didn't notice it when I like read the book the last couple times, and like he calls Denna as lovely as the moon, and for some reason, like that just like hit me. And it made me think, like, you know, the whole, like, parallels that come later with, like, Eax and, like, the story of him, like, stealing the moon. And, like, like I wonder if it's going to be, like, some, like, real-life parallel to that where, like, she is, like, the moon or, like, the representation of the Fae. And then, like, later, I can't remember if it's in chapter, this coming chapter, like, 72, or if it's in 73, but it's, I wrote it down somewhere in my barrage of notes here. But, like, he does, like, he compares her to the Fae, too, but then, like, we know, like, one of the rumors is that, like, he's part fae, so, like, I'm wondering if she really is the one who's part fae, and she really is the one who's, like, has something to do with EX. I don't know. Wow. But that, this is also me being crazy also- and, like, taking one line and being, like, that's it. That's the line. Like, I don't know. But everything has so much meaning that like, you have to be like that. I mean, if you read, like, any fan theories, too, they pick out, like, a sentence or a half a sentence here, and then another one, like, 500 pages later and like they're just like so very lightly peppered in and yeah maybe we're all reading way too much into it but i don't think so so like i feel like if she was compared to the moon like that was fully intentional like you can compare her to anything so ari is also yeah yeah ari's also compared to the moon so that is very odd that he uses it for denna especially because he usually compares denna to flowers so for him to suddenly have a different like association for her is odd oh i don't know but anyways, ugh, of course it's Denna. Oh, like of course it, it has to be Denna. Of course it's Denna. But one thing that we skipped over that I thought was important was like when he's describing the church and like this giant church and that it's clearly like very meaningful. 
He says there's like this gigantic iron wheel bolted over the front doors. And that like normally when they have like giant iron wheels and stuff, like that's very common in the religion, but it's usually made of wood and just like painted to look like iron or like something. But this is like legit iron. And he he's like, it could just be because they're like a mining town essentially, or it could be that they're like super religious. And like, he just makes a big note of it, which I think it comes back later. Mm-hmm. Yes, it certainly does. And yeah, good option in the reading because it's interesting that this particular church has like such a huge edifice on its walls. Absolutely. Yeah. Chapter 72 Borrowrill. Or as we find out later, Barrowrill. <laughs> so. Basically, like, one of the coolest thing I thought was that, like, when, so he is with Denna, and he's like, okay, let's go, like, explore the farm and, like, get out here. And so she's like, okay, and she, like, tries desperately to get out a back door, and, like, he's like, what? Like, that's so weird and random. And she can't get out the back door, so then she has to go in the front door. And everyone is just staring at her when she comes out. I think she's definitely... I mean, she was saying that it was weird that people were asking her what was going on and, like, people wouldn't leave her alone. Like, there was this woman who came and, like, sat by her and the constable came and the mayor came. And I feel like they definitely feel like she was responsible. She was guilty or responsible in some way. But, like, she should have had something to say to them because I feel like what she probably did is not say anything and just be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And for her to be the only survivor and witness like 30 something other people get killed and to not be from around those parts and have no one know her and then just have no story and then try and leave town without saying anything or for like paying a bill at the inn or anything that's seems super sketchy and she was oh i want to leave town like the they wouldn't leave me alone and like the constable like touched her which is definitely not okay so i can't blame her for like just wanting True. to be like i gotta get out of here but she also has to know that oh, that totally. looks super sketchy like, you're the only one that totally. witnessed a crime for you to just then try. And she's I don't got know, wounds, but they're, like, not that bad. Like, she's got, I mean, they're, like, bad, but, like, in the grand scheme of the fact that everyone else died and was, like, torn apart, she has, like, a bump on the head and, like, arm in a sling. And, like, later, um, Kavoth is, like, talking about her injuries and he thinks they're a little bit worse. Like, she's got some bruises that are banged up and, like, maybe broken and, like, but some of them, he's like, I'm not sure that you got that by, like, running into a tree, which is her story later. So, like, we'll see how that pans out. Overall, like, right, overall, her injuries aren't that bad. Yeah, because on her left side, he said it seems bruised, and, like, she potentially broke ribs on her left side. But then, like, her bruise, I think, on her face yes. is on her right-hand side. So, like, it doesn't, unless she, like, contorted her body and ran yeah, into, like, the weirdest right. shaped tree. And even run into something at full force enough to break your ribs, like, that seems highly unlikely. So, I don't know. I feel like she's definitely being sketchy. Of course, Kavoth is all protective, and he's like, I'll just, you know, I'll take care of this. Like, you leave if you want to go. And so he pays off her bill, even though he's getting cheated. Like, the, the guy at the inn wants, like, half a talent for, like, all this trouble he went to to help Denna, quote unquote. Kavoth just pays it and he's like, I'll like, I'll just take care of it and then runs back outside to make sure Denna hadn't like escaped. Mm. She's always disappearing. Which is also like that's shitty. Not that she owes him anything, but as a friend, like he's helping you out and she but just she like, takes off. Like I think in her mind 
oh, I just want to get out of here. Like, I've experienced something really horrific and horrible. Like, I want to go and I don't really want to, like, relive it by having everyone talk to me. But by her trying to, like, sneak out the back and escape, she just seems guilty. Oh, yeah, like, She looks so guilty. And even Kavoth is like, don't you have your things back up in your room? And she doesn't even want to go back and get them. She says she doesn't have anything in the room. I think Yeah, because she, she said something along the lines yeah. of, like, Oh, I've had to start over again. Like, I forget exactly what it was, but it was something like that where it's like, she started with nothing before and like, she can do it again. And it's like, okay, but you could just like get your stuff. <laughs> like, Yeah, like, why are you being so weird? Go get- and, and she does end up saying that she wants to go back to the farm to look for her loot and look for her patron, who was the reason she was there. But like, her loot can't be the only thing she brought with her. Like, where's the rest of her stuff? Yeah. Why are you just leaving it? Also, it's the first so mention of her... Yeah new like maybe patron yeah, yeah. who is Sketchy very mysterious so her and Kavos decide to go back out to Magdalene farm where the wedding was because he obviously wants to look around and she is saying she wants to look for her loot and like check around to see if her patron is still there I don't know why she thinks he would still be there because it's been I mean I guess it's been a day like not even yeah but like who would like who would After just, a like, burning and massacre at a wedding, just be like, you know, I might just stick around for a day. Like, yeah, like, I'll just hang out in the woods around here. Like, I don't understand what her logic is. I'm not clear why she thinks he'll be there. Unless, unless he's, he's associated her. with the burnings, which is what I think is going on. Either that or he told her, like, after, like, I will be back. Do not mm-hmm. leave this location. Like, Maybe. Um, so they get out to Madeline Farm with, like, a little farmer on the back of his cart. Oh, that's where he describes yes. Dana as lovely as the moon. Because he's just like, yes. staring at her. But can we riding. also talk about the fact that, like, he's once again saving her stupid ass, and she's once again a brat. Talking about the note, like, they're talking about the note that she left in his window, and he's like, I have not used that window in two weeks. Like, I just got your note last night. I wasn't sure if you had, had already left or not, but somebody told me that you left, and, like, whatever. And she's, like, says something so side sideways to him, like, about how, like, her, her new patron had like left her and like had stood her up a couple of times and like that's how paranoid he was but that like oh not that it's anything new to me sorry he almost died in a fire you jerk like shut up i hate her i hate her also kavoth is so stupid because he's not he never apologized i mean like he doesn't need to apologize but he never actually says what happened to him he's just like she can't know anything about me like i can't let her know i was hurt yeah, like, there was so legit stupid. a fire. Like, just talk to so, each other. Ugh. They're idiots. <laughs> they so idiots. mad. It would be, uh, like, beneficial to both of them. But I feel like it's... Have you ever seen that meme where it's, like, a man and a woman standing, or, like, next to each other? And the guy's like, women are so mysterious. We'll never know what they want. And she's like, I just want... And then he cuts her off, and he's like, so mysterious. <laughs> yeah. We'll never know. So <laughs> I feel like that's the what's happening there but like going both ways of like we'll just never know who they are or what they're about and it's like you spend all this time with each yeah, other totally. like just talk about yourselves Tomorrow. they make me so mad i don't know i think it's like a too too like pained glass moment because obviously you get like the realistic relationships with some people like that actually occurs yeah but it's also like in a literary device kind of way like there's like the romance, like the love that will never be, and like all like the blow up and the gestures and like the little minute moments that are like 
is it gonna happen? So Oh no, as a literary like as part of the plot, it's very helpful, especially because Denna's now involved with this weird patron who she's just bringing up for the first time. But I feel like as a reader on the outside, it's just so frustrating to watch them like do this weird dance around each other and be like, I guess we'll just never know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. But yeah, so as they're walking up, Denna starts talking about how she has this new patron and that's why she was out there because he'd asked her to play the lute at the wedding. And Kavoth like wants to ask her about it, but she says he's really secretive, so they end up giving her him the name Master Ash. Like they uh Well it's kind of like a divine intervention intervention moment where like Well it's funny because Kavos giving him like all sorts of silly names at first. He's like, let's call your patron Annabelle. Or like Federic the Flippant or Mr. Fortune or like whatever. Yeah, just like nonsense names. And then I think this is exactly another situation of like unintentional naming. Well it's like the wind of all things blew up Ashleaf. First she's like Mm -hmm. That's stupid. Also, and then he's like, no, that makes sense. Which is also like... Yeah, like she objects to all of the mm-hmm. other names, but not that one. So I think because that name gets picked, he gives it like a, a man's name. I don't know if Dennis said if it was a man or a woman before, but if it's a man, that's like obviously narrows down like who it can be. And then the associations with Ash, the pre- like the focus on secrecy... The fact that Dennis says her patron has a very distinctive way of like signaling to her when he's around, which I think could be one of the signs of the Chandrian. And the fact that they were at this really sketchy wedding, I think that means that her patron is 100% absolutely yes. If it's not, I will throw the book out the window. (laughs) (laughs) The only other option that I've seen, well, there's lots of options people have, but I think like the other second most common one people think is. Brayden from the second. Oh, Brendan. Brendan from the second book. Um, the tech player. Ooh. The guy who lives in the court. I mean, that makes sense too. Because he's all kind of sketchy. Yeah, because I think the clue is that, like, the cafe says, like, he beats her. Oh. And, like, that could mean at games of tack. But he also says something about having a cane. And, like, Brayden has that, like, carved cane he carries around a lot. Oh There's my a lot God. of double I've never thought of, like, ways. beats her as anything so. other than, like, assaults her. Like, to be honest with you. I mean, I I think that's what it's supposed to mean. And, like, Denna definitely always has, like, weird bruises from here on out. However, there was that theory with the whole Brennan thing, too, of, like, maybe she's not being beaten, but she's being, like, trained yeah. in martial arts. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing, too, is, like, beaten in, like, training. Because she, there's that thing in the second book where she's, like, who's following her. And someone like jumps her. She like pulls a knife on them and like helps. I do, I do. But do I actually that? noticed in this one that she carries a knife and she teaches both how to hold it appropriately. Like he's not holding it right, so she already knows some of this before yeah, the patron comes into play. Yeah. Well, she's been meeting her patron true. for a little bit now. I guess that's yeah, true. Yeah, a handful of times. And well, this guy's just sketch because he'll like sometimes not show up to the meetings. He'll have people offer Denna money in order to like reveal things about the guy and she'd be like no mm-hmm. and he'd be like that was a test yeah, yeah that's past. so weird I think that reason yeah. I don't think it's Brendan is because Denna meets him in the Aeolian when Kvothe is not there because of the fire and there's no indication that Brendan was ever in Imre like he lives in Vintus and like is part of the like royal court there 
So I think he would just stay in that part of the world and it's so far away. So unless Zena met like a middleman, but we know that uh Sinner's really good at like disguising himself. Mm. So I think that's Yeah, I agree. And I also like feel like it has to be Cinder because I think like I think he like purposely invited Denna to be there so that she would survive as a witness. And like it's somebody close to Kvok so that like he's extra intimidated by it and like extra at least shaken by it. I agree, but I also don't know if the Shandrian are actually like actively trying to get that's true i don't know i feel like some of it's hard to follow as far as those like subtle timelines and i just can't tell if it's because it's been a while for me reading the book like in total or if it's like meant to be like that i don't i don't know i also it's hard to know like which characters know what and the chandrian like kind of not human they're not gods obviously but they're not human so like i don't know if they have additional like knowledge or ways of knowing things that would give them insight into who Kavoth is or like if they'd been following him ever since they I kind of family. in my like, heart feel really like they've know. been following him but like I have no basis for that whatsoever except just like I think that's what's happening but there were also like so many opportunities for them to just kill him then so because why? every single person that <laughs> they kill needs credence to them being existent and so like they can't like they have to have like a very serious threat in order to kill them which like will come back to why they like killed all these people in the wedding but like you know what i'm saying like it's like they can just kill him but if they do then it has to be explained somehow and like if they can't explain it then it opens the door for like people wondering and being superstitious about it that's true but anyway yes reality get back to <laughs> the chapter so Donna and both are talking about her master or her patron and she says that like master ash took her into the woods for a little bit and then left her there and told her to wait for yes the but signal. he was also the asking signal. her a ton Who of questions about yes. like who are the people at the wedding like describe them what are they doing like what are they wearing like all these crazy questions that she's like she thinks is a test of how observant she is but i think is like him getting info so he knows how many people he has to go kill i think that's exactly what what, it is what exactly was was he clearly found out that the wedding gift for the bride was like either like a shandrian artifact and so Master Ash, being one of the Shandrin, was like, all right, my intel, how many people are there? Are there people that could be potentially armed or dangerous that could, like, not that any human can, like, stand up to them, but could be annoying if there's too many of them. Yeah. So she was basically doing the recon. He was like, wait in the woods. Well, I'll be right back. Hits up his boys. They, like, work the whole wedding. and Yeah, which is why I think she's, like, definitely got this guilty look about her because unintentionally, like, she was not present for when everyone got yeah. killed. That looks super sketchy. Also, if Master Ash was there by himself and he is Cinder, that means that the blue fire and the like rust and decay are like both associated with one Shandrian. Oh, you think mm. just he individually was it? I mean, he is strong. He probably could have murdered everyone on his own. Well, that's, I feel like that's why he was asking for all that like reconnaissance information from Denna. Uh, like, why would he? I don't know if he's saying Well, because the other she Shandrian does hear screaming and stuff when she is know. with him and like, or hears stuff when she's still with him. Yes, oh, so, like, I do. I do. Fight and I think started. like a lot of it, I think you are right where like one sign mm-hmm. equals one Shandrian, but like, I don't know what is what. I don't know because I know that debate like at the very beginning that Kavos' parents were trying to figure out of like 
do all of the signs go with all of them? Is it like one for each? They each have mastery over yeah. a couple, like which ones are associated? And like the decay and blue fire were both at Kabot's parents. I don't think we saw any other signs. You know what though? It would make sense if Cinder was acting on his own. Because that whole interaction way at the beginning where Kabot's family is murdered, um, Haliax has like real cinder in he's like like, i had to come on this like trip because i have to watch you because like you've been out of control and like going a little bit rogue yeah and i think this was just another one of his excursions interesting i know so many so many possibilities cinder goes on his own excursion because kavoth encounters him oh yeah lightning that's right oh that's favorite sections there's so many that's a lie i love all of it so interesting like every like chapter is a new layer and like there are so many like i feel like there are multiple climaxes throughout the book and each one is like so telling and so important that it's like hard to like it's almost hard to like separate them out because they're so intense well there's like different plots like i think this part like this set of chapters i think is the climax for this plot line of this book in terms of like kavos understanding of the shandrian and also, like, the intrigue of Denna, but then coming up, there's other parts with the Dracus, there's other parts with, like, the University and Ambrose, like, those all have their own That's climaxes. True. That's true. Their own plot lines. The way I like to think about it is, it's kind of almost like an anime. There's all these, like, little mini story arcs that have, like, their peak and then, like, subsequent end, and then it moves on to, like, the next, like, big thing. Yeah. Which really keeps the story very interesting, because it there's so much mm. it's not just like we're building up to the big battle and now the book's over like there's still so many no, not at all. accomplishments and successes and defeats and interesting yeah, little tidbits along the way so Kavoth and dad are basically you know going to the woods or discussing master ash while they're walking through Kavoth gives her an apple and she accepts it they're kind of just snacking and talking and doing their thing he almost tells her about what happened to his family. Yeah. And he just, and then Ugh, he's just like, It would have no, been such mind. a beautiful moment if he just had to. Yeah, because like you were saying with uh, Debbie, Denna calls both out on his BS. So she's like, why are you out here? Like, how did you actually find me? And he like cooks up that whole story of like the university heard there was a distress. So they sent me out. Like, they're not like secret agents. They're not the Amir. Like, but, yeah, uh, the Amir? she knows. She's like. I know you tell me this story. Right, right. Just tell me nothing. Like, don't lie to me. Nothing than, like, have the pity of these lies. And so then he's like, I could tell her, but I think she'll just think it's a lie and, like, make me look foolish. So I'll just. Yeah, and I also think he's really deep inside him. He's still so protective (laughs) of all of, like, like, he, like, didn't want to tell people about his family because he felt like every time he, like, told somebody, it was, like, letting a piece go. And, like, I don't know. I feel like he's also, like, very protective of that level of things. But, like, it's so foolish. And also, like, so they get to the farm, and it's, like, lots of ash, and clearly it had been burned down, so Kavoth is just kind of, like, going through and peering around and kind of assessing the damage. And he starts to notice that, like, the building structure for a new house is, like, it has no integrity left. Like, the wood is just, like, driftwood mm-hmm. at one point. He calls it like that. And the pump of the handle the water pump is like completely rusted and that's when it like all clicks in his mind he like finally remembers that way back when he like stumbled through his camp after his whole family had been murdered that like 
he put his hand out on one of the wagon wheels and it was just like rusted and corroded and like fell to pieces. And he'd kind of forgotten that until he re-experienced it. And he does say that he was worried that the entire thing had just been like a weird dream that his brain had kind of put together to like cope. But actually experiencing like the same, the blue fire and the rustiness like made it real again. So I think he was also nervous about telling Denna in case it was Yeah, and he does say, say somewhere true. in here that like in his heart he always thought it might be fake. Like it might be something that his like grief adult brain just like made up. And this was like the first time that he was like, no, this like really actually did happen. But then like once that happens and he's like freaking out, he's like gets really pale and like Denna's like, are you okay? Like what happened here? And he repeats the rhyme, which kills me every time and the rhyme is when the hearth fire turns to blue what to do what to do run outside run and hide when your bright sword turns to rust who to trust who to trust stand alone standing stone and i have somehow never noticed before this exact moment that standing stone is a waystone like is this giving you instruction for how to protect yourself yes. yeah we brought that up earlier like when we were reading like you could run like you have right. and like, and is this like, why oh. like all of the raw like always like whenever they see a waystone they stop and like camp there for the night because it's protective but like what's interesting is in this verse there's a third one that says see a woman pale as snow and that's not a a sign that has come up before because the other ones that are mentioned are it's each like the first line of the verse and the one is about the first one is when the hearth fire turns to blue and the second one is when your bright sword turns to rust. And like, those are two signs that we have clearly experienced here at the farm. But then see a woman pale as snow. I don't really understand if that's like a a ghost. Like, do the Shandrians somehow have control over like ghost-like figures as one of their signs? Does one of them look like that? Oh, I thought it meant like, if you see so, it, like that entices a reaction out of you, you become like pale as snow, like the color drains from your face. It, Oh. Like you get okay, so scared you go pale. When I saw that, I don't they describe Lyra, like Lonre's wife, as being like very pale, like porcelain skin, like so I was kind of wondering if it has something to do with her. Oh. Do you think she's like mm. one of the Shandrian? But he calls her back, doesn't he? He calls him back and then No, dies. she calls yeah. him back and then And so she I don't dies. think she's necessarily part of the Shandrian. But I, like, because, like, that whole, like, sequence of lines is, like, about, like, what are those Chandrian doing? And so I wonder if, like, this is, like, a weird, like, broken concept way of him to getting back oh. to her. But I don't know. I also feel like that's a big stretch. So, like, I don't, I wouldn't take that too far. But, like. I don't know. I've just I just Googled know. the, like, signs of the Chandrian. And the ones that have been, like, confirmed in the books are blue flame, decay and rot of wood complete rusting of iron and steel so like whoever wrote this list is considering those to be different even though i kind of thought they were the same cold so maybe that's what they're talking about a woman pale as snow and uh a shadow like dark fog which is what haliax uses to like transport them out when they when Kavod yeah. first encounters them so those are the only ones so far that we know so it sounds like there are multiple shandrian here if there's three different signs at the farm true i don't know this is where it gets so like hard to even like think through because there are so many lines and so many possibilities and like i have watched way too many fan theory videos and like read too many things 
that I'm like, I don't even remember what's true and like really in the books anymore versus like what's what other people think. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get super confused about these kind of things because I'm like, we just don't know anything. And that's so frustrating, but it's what yeah, makes well, it so good. Because there's so much speculation and then Patrick Rothfuss only has confirmed so much. Okay. Can I tell you, I'm like reading something right now and this is just like a essentially list of different like speculation things. And this one says that like Lanray slash Heliax is actually Lyra. And it says like when Lanray died during the creation war, it threatened to unravel the empire. Lyra in a desperate attempt to preserve the hope he represented reanimated his body for a while. She like remote controlled him. And it was showed to us that being able to compartmentalize the mind is pretty much the starting point for any like sympathist or namer. But controlling two bodies was too hard. And so it destroyed her. And that would explain how her dying happens like off screen without any real explanation. Like she just kind of dies. But her body died and her mind got trapped into Lanray. And so the reason why she betrayed the seven cities was because she got went crazy by that whole thing. And it also explains why Lan Rey suddenly became a namer. Oh, I have chills. What? Oh my God. Wow. What the hell? I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that information. That. But that like, so, oh that's God. a, Where did you that's find a that? really good one. Um, this is on tvtropes.org. Um, the thread is called WMG slash The King Killer Chronicle aka the wise man's fear and it's literally just like these little like gray boxes and so like it lists like random stuff so like a climax like this next one that it says which kills me and i have to read is like a climactic point possibly the end of the third book will be chronicler giving kvothe his name back and so what they have to say about that is that this is assuming that kvothe renamed himself like truly renamed himself um, Kote, which means disaster, I guess, and I yes. didn't even know that. In, the, in a fit of despair, and that's why everyone's going with yeah. him. And that Chronicler is a namer and could presumably give him his name back, but to do that, you have to completely oh. understand someone, which is why he's getting oh my the God. story. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I have, like, oh. goosebumps everywhere. These are so good. This is really good. TVTropes.org, my friends. This is crazy. I... Can't even deal with some of these. I'm going to send us the link. We'll post this for everybody. Yes. Okay. I'm literally, I'm texting it to you guys right now. Um, Oh my God. Oh, I don't want this website to end. I'm going to have to read through every single one. And they're like two second little blurbs. They're like three or four sentences a piece. Like they are not, it's, it's almost stated as like fact. One of them says that like Kavoth is a singer but the Chandrian mentioned that singers are an enemy of Haliax and that Haliax is protecting them against singers. So we don't know exactly what a singer is because it's always capitalized. However, we do know that Kavoth has a talent or a knack for naming things and that when he does his naming, it tends to be described in a musical way. I.e. when he says Hilarion's name, it's described as four notes. So what if singers are those who innately can tap into the musical nature of the world, sing out names, and even name things that we don't know? This is like oh, when okay. the sounds okay. and like feelings of things, like way back when his lute string has like has like no yeah. strings left. Mourning his, yes. he's mourning his family and he's just like learning like the sounds of the world and putting them into a song. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. 
Oh my God, this page is huge right. too. I like literally, I have to put this down because I'm getting nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bring it back. Okay, I back to the book. Uh, I mean, Kibosa and Denner are having similar revelations about how crazy things are because obviously Kavoth's been pretty convinced that this is the Shandrian all along. It doesn't take too, mm-hmm. too much convincing for Denna, but he's like, why do you think they were here? Like, what do you think happened? And she just goes, she says she doesn't know, stops, and then decides, like, she's convincing herself that it is the Shandrian. Like, she's like, no, that's a lie. It sounds strange to say, but I think it was them. It sounds like some story, but I don't want to mm-hmm. believe it. But I do. So she's finally on Kavoth's side, which I think is good. And I think if I were him at that point, I would tell her about, like, my experiences with the Shandrian, like, killing my family. And that's why I was here. Because now she believes. But he doesn't. Anyway. I think he's also a little bit worried that if he tells her, like, she'll be a target. He's also a 15-year-old boy. That's true. I mean, he's extraordinarily smart, though. Yes. So mm-hmm. they he asks her what she sang at the wedding, because he remembers that his parents were killed for singing the wrong sorts of songs, but she just sang, like, regular folk songs, so that's no big deal. They decide to end up going back to where Denna was left in the woods by Master Ash and, like, looking for him. And they kind of walk around in circles and look through the woods, but they don't find anything. Yeah, he's um, not there. They look for. They don't look very long, like five to ten minutes, and then they're like, "This is. We're not going to find anything. This is silly." Dana hears mm-hmm. a stream or like some water, so they decide that they're going to walk towards the water and uh, just get like a drink. Kavoth wants to rinse himself off because obviously he's been up really early and like dirty from riding and everything. So they go to the stream and there's like this weird little like moment where Kavoth is like thinking about like if this were a story then like the two young lovers would be washing by the river but you know out of modesty we'd kind of keep to ourselves but then something would happen that would like make me have to run out and like we'd have this encounter where Denner and I are gonna have like this romantic encounter but nothing happens (laughs) so uh they're fine they share an apple and they're just kind of like hanging out by the river at the end of this chapter. Chapter 73. Hegs. <laughs> I love this guy's accent. I just have to say I'm an idiot. I know. Uh, you should listen to it in the audiobook, too, because the guy who does the accents, like, he's Nails usually it. really good. The one voice he did for the Tinker was so strange, but the voices he does here with the accents are, like, top notch. Oh, he's great. And so this part's hilarious. They just finished bathing in the river. They're getting dressed. They're all kind of being bashful about it. Kaboth has, like, one boot on. And they hear, like, a rustling in the bushes, like, nearby. But they were, like, sharing an apple, too. And he's like, that's close to kissing if you've never kissed somebody. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you are so desperate and, like, very horny right now. <laughs> like, you need to calm down. Literally. He, like, hears this rustling in the bushes. And his, like, dog ears are up. And he's like get behind me and it's a boar and he like puts like himself in like a crouch stance and he's got his knife out and he's like i'll protect us i don't know what you would do against a wild boar they are just gonna annihilate somebody oh yeah they're huge they will murder you but this is also uh jackie where you mentioned earlier 
Denna like fixes his stance on his knife because he's holding it wrong. So she's like, um, you're going to want to hold it like this because otherwise it would have like slipped in your grip and you'd cut yourself. Yeah. But like, it's not a boar. It's like a pink pig. (laughs) It's just a regular. And so he's once again, like super embarrassed, like, because like after like the moment of adrenaline is over, he like comes back to himself and he's like crouched and like has a knife and like one shoe is on and he's like crazy and like he's like super embarrassed again that he's like a feral child and like (laughs) and that's when denna is like telling him like no you need to hold the knife differently and he's like excuse me and she's like excuse me did you spend as many years as a poor orphan urchin boy on the streets of tarbian yeah excuse me you petty female like okay and then she's like nah let me show you on a real knife and like out of her pocket comes out with this like 87 foot long like straight blade and he's like what the hell did that just come from and so she like explains that she had like a slit in her dress and like can wear this like very flat knife against her leg and it's another one of like denna's kind of brilliant moments where she's like you need to like I'm a woman I'm alone in this world and like I need to defend myself but like it's much easier to defend yourself when you look helpless so like if I carried around a knife people would know I was looking for a fight but like if they can't see it and they think I'm the helpless girl I'm much better off and like much more likely to get what I need which I thought was very smart of her it's it's so similar to Kavot's thing of like if they think that you can't be hurt but almost like the opposite where she's like I'll just look like small and kind of innocent and keep to myself and Kavoth is like I'll build up this reputation around me but it's interesting because obviously he besides sympathy doesn't really have any like training and fighting so he relies on his reputation whereas Denna is like my reputation is that like I'm helpless but is actually very deadly right so they're kind yeah. Of opposites. yeah after that she like they were talking about the knife and like he was like she said something about like oh, like, men try to seduce me all the time by teaching me how to fight and they think they know and they're always idiot type thing. And they're, like, finishing that conversation and he kind of turns to, or she kind of turns to him and is like, hey, did you know that when you're angry, your eyes, and then they get cut off? And I was like, oh, my God, like, once again, like, somebody's noticing that his eyes change when he's, like, angry or intense and, like, his eyes change with his emotions, which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's related to the fact that he's potentially, like, part fey. But even oh, yeah. in the previous set of chapters, like, Fela gives him... Uh, Fela. <laughs> Fela gives hey, Fela. Hey, Fela. Um, oh, him Fela. <laughs> his new cloak, and she's like, your eyes are so bright and green, and, like, brings it up. That they're yeah. a light, bright green color, and now they're, like, a dark, angry green. I don't really know yeah. what it has to do with, like, both and his abilities, but people notice it, and it is an odd trait. Totally. But I think you're right. I think it definitely has to do with him being Faye. Or, at minimum, his... Like, okay, I think he also is not just a namer. I think he's a shaper. And so I think this has to do with his ability to shape things, too. Like, even though it seems small, like, I think this is, like, the beginning of that, potentially. But, like, we won't go down that road, because that's a very torturous road as well. (laughs) Oh, I know. That's a whole can of worms. Yeah, we'll, (laughs) we'll leave that be for now. Yeah, that that can sit quietly in the background. But, so, next, they get interrupted by, like, dude, like, Lou Pigs! Yeah, Pig, 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 Pig,
And so then this, like, like giant sow that just, like, thoroughly attacks them is, like, trots back through the bush, and they're like, what the heck? And so they kind of, like, get their stuff together, and they get, like, redressed and go out, and it's this, like, swine herder. And the guy's like, hello, don't be a herb. <laughs> and I, I picture him like That was actually really good. That was so good. <laughs> in my head like as i'm saying i want it to be like scottish ish but oh. it comes out jamaican and i don't know why it sounds like <laughs> there are people at my job who like speak with 17th century english accents like as part of like the museum interpretation and so i feel like if i could get one of them to read this would be perfect yeah i i do picture it as like a scottish thing like in by by what I feel like I can read. Yes. Phonetically, yeah. that makes so much sense. But, so, like, this guy is talking in this accent. He has this, like, scraggly beard, and he's just a pig herder. And so, Kvothe, being, like, King Actor, he starts talking in the same accent to, like, lower this guy's suspicion because he's going to try to get more information from this guy. So, once again, he's, like, being smart, and he knows that, like, not to be a jerk, but, like, these lesser-educated people are much more comfortable with people of the same jargon and whatever. And the guy even says, like, like, it's a rare treat to meet somebody who speaks properly. I mean, he doesn't say it like that, but I can't do the accent well enough (laughs) to continue it. (laughs) Oh, totally. Um, And it disarms the guy... Yeah, and he's, like, super excited about it. So he's, like, found a compatriot, like, somebody he can be comfortable with. And so they, like, chat for a little bit. And, again, Kavoth is super smart because, like, Denna hasn't said anything. And he's like, oh, like, that's my cousin. She's a sweet lass, but she's terrible shy. And you won't hear a word out of her. So Denna is also very smart and, like, plays into the part really nicely. And so, like, she doesn't really have to say anything, which kind of keeps their cover too yes yeah very smart there's no way she's gonna do this accent too no no i love that but later like to her credit later after she's listened to it for a while she does chime in and say some stuff which is like she like i don't like her because i think she's a bad person but like i think she's so incredibly smart and has so much skill for self-preservation and like this is like the kind of stuff where it comes up oh yeah i like respect her for like her self-preservation and like self-defense but I, I think she's just like a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, absolutely. She like will kill. She'll bring him down. She'll totally bring him down. But so the pig herder, like, intro- they introduce each other, and so Kavoth is like, "Could we buy a small pig from you and like eat it because we didn't have dinner and like we're starving?" And he's like, "Give you a good price for it," and he gives him four jots, which is like way over the price for it. And he's like, I'll give you four jots if you also dress it, but also if you come eat it with us. Kavoth is like, oh, I also have some brandy. Like, if you wanted some brandy, like, we could spice this up. The guy's like, oh, like, my mother told me never to drink unless the wind was blowing, but the wind's blowing, so I guess we can drink. And so they, like, sit down to a meal and, like, it's all a jam for him to get more information. Yes, which is actually very cleverly done. Oh, totally, totally. And it did work in their um, too, because Kavoth is like, sometimes people who have these solitary jobs really like to keep to themselves, or they're, like, starved for friendship and, like, socialization, so they want to hang out. So, like, him inviting the guy to eat the pig with them, the guy was like, oh, yeah, like, definitely. Like, he's clearly, like, lonely and bored. So it worked really well. Yeah. Oh, totally. He got exactly what he wanted. But so they, like, set up their little fire, and they start, like, cooking the pig, and they're just, like, still chatting. 
and like getting more comfortable and Kavok is just like complimenting the guy and like talking about the pig and um I can't remember exactly how it came up but they had like eaten and they were really full and they had drank a little bit and like Kavok looked over and the guy's nose was like a little rosy so he was like he's just drunk enough to like start talking like it's funny too because the the other guy almost starts it because he's like oh I'm surprised you've been out and about in the woods with like all this kind of bad stuff that's been going on. Like, it was odd to come across, like, two young people out here. And Kavoth is like, oh, wait. So I think it's the opposite. Op- yeah, it yeah. was the opposite. I switched them. That's what Kavoth said. <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe you're, like, out here right now, like, with all the craziness. And the guy's like, what do you mean? And so for, like, a normal person, I feel like that would be like, God damn, like, he doesn't know anything about it. But to praise God, because he can't give me about the attack, but he can tell me and he'll be more likely to tell me about the days coming up to it, which is what he wanted to know. Because it's like kind of becoming clear that like at the wedding, there wasn't necessarily an event, like there wasn't a song sung or like something weird that happened. So, and yeah, he like asked him about like the Mathuan family and like who they are just to kind of like get some information. Yeah. And so this guy does not care for the Marlins, like or they, their family. No. And he like calls them like a lot of bastards. But he specifically says, like, I keep off Barrel because I've got a lick of good sense my mum beat into me. And Kavoth is like, I didn't realize until the second he said it in his accent that it wasn't Barrel Like, the town isn't Barrel It's Barrel Hill. And so he's like, oh. And so we don't know it yet. And, like, there's a lot of fan theory about this, too. But a Barrow is a burial site. And so whether it's, like, there's a lot of theory about, like, it's the burial site of a king, the burial site of, like, this person and that person. The point for now is just that it's a burial site, and that's why a lot of people think he's Madeline. That's why a lot of people think he's awful, because he literally built a giant, like, people won't even let their pigs feed on that, that land. And he builds a house on it, and then he's like, Dennis said something like, didn't anybody try to stop him? And he's like, yeah, he doesn't care, and... He was digging through the foundation and he found bones and he still didn't stop. And then he continued digging and started finding stones and used those stones to build the house. So, like, this guy does not give a damn. And even earlier in the previous chapter, when Kavoth touches the water pump handle, Dennis said that at the wedding, the guy was bragging about, like, how deeply he had to dig to get a well on top of a hill. So, like, he clearly went down really, really deep and, like, disturbed some shit he should not have been messing around with. And, like, pulling out artifacts and, like, burials, which is not good. (laughs) Not good. So then this is where he starts giving him, like, legit information. Because the guy, the pig herder, he's like, oh, like, if you had found these stones, would you build a house out of it? And if you dug something out of a barrow, would you give it to your daughter as a wedding present? And Kavothi's like, wait, what? He found something? Like, what did he find? And so Shaima's like, that's the secret. Like, nobody knew, and he was keeping it private until the wedding. And his little family knew, the couple people that were at the wedding. And there's, like, some rumor that from what he heard, they were digging the stones up, and they found a little stone room that was sealed up tight, and whatever was in it is what the wedding present was. Which... Reflection to the doors of stone. He found it in a stone room. Oh, I thought it was a shame artifact or something. No, it is, but it's behind. I mean, stone. it is, but like that breeds the question: like, what is in the doors of stone? Because it's a very similar like analogy of like this stone room sealed tight with no like 
way in and they like get in somehow and take this thing and it gets them all killed so like i feel like it is the four plate door made of stone no remember it's copper oh wait because um, i was gonna say if that's also a stone like room then there's a chance that that's also like a burial space because that's that's like how those are built that could mean that whatever's in the library is also a burial room. No, those doors are all copper. <sighs> Wait, I thought they were four copper plates in a wall, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, it's still stone, but, like, to keep a namer in, maybe, because the copper stuff... Um... Yeah, and there is, like, a theory that, like, the four plate, like, what's behind the four plate door is, like, a burial of Eax, potentially. Oh. Oh, yeah. I have definitely read that. Uh, I don't know. That's also, it. it's so complicated. Like, I, I don't feel adequate to even touch it anymore because there's so much. I like this way too many layers, but it is really odd that that guy, like, decided to give his daughter a thing, but that's obviously clearly what, like, prompted the Shinri to come because whoever saw that object needed to be disposed of. So that's why they waited to the wedding because then everyone who's seen it, they can, like, get out in one fell sweep. Yeah, and they, like, speculating that it's some kind of heirloom or, like, something like that. And, like, that it wasn't money because this guy is a D-bag and, like, I would totally brag if it was money. And so they think it's, like, an object of some kind. Basically, Kvothe's, like, whole thing is that, like, when they first went to the farm, it's, like, all crumbling and they didn't want to risk going into it because it's, like, crumbling. And they were, like, there's not going to be anything in there. But now he's, like, we need to go back because there might be something big. An interesting bit of information comes out from the swineherd where um, he basically says, I saw blue fire, like a huge pile, like a huge blue fire two nights ago. He's like, but the wedding was last night. So it's either a sign of the Chandrian were planning this the night prior or it was from the Dracus. I always thought it was from the Dracus, but that's a good point. Like it could be the Chandrian also doing other stuff. Like, doing reconnaissance, like, hey, we're gonna, like, be here, there's gonna be a wedding. Or, yeah. do you think that, because he said it was, like, a couple, like, big, like, waves of fire? Like, yeah, maybe, like, three flashes. Do you think that's how Master Ash signals Denna? I don't know. I I honestly did think it was the Dracus because he also makes a point to say it goes out instantaneously. So, like, opening your mouth and closing your mouth would make it, like, immediately go out. Yeah. That's true. But I don't know. I mean, it like, that's the thing about these books. Like, all three of those are very possible reality. It's too hard to parse it all <laughs> I know. It's exhausting, but that's what makes it, like, some of my favorite books is because you really can spend a lifetime just, like, getting into the details. And, like, it's just so specifically detail-oriented. Nothing is said by mistake. So even when it looks like, oh, they said, like, a word there, like, that's important, and that will come back. Oh, so strange. I know. It is that both wants to go back and look through the house because I, I would figure like if the Shandrian came because someone dug something up that they would then take all of whatever was at the house. Oh yeah, like all possible evidence of them being there. So it is odd that he wants to go back, but I guess like that's his only. Yeah, and he's so obsessed that like even if there's a chance of finding a splinter of a clue, like he'll go for it. Like that's how crazy he is about it. He's obsessed. Um. They do end up going back to the house, right? Because he talks um, about like how they go back to Barrow Hill, and like he sees all like the lumps in the ground and notices. Not that, just like, yet. Oh, yes, sorry. but before so, they go, the swineherd does say like 
like something about like being careful. They ask him if he's seen anyone in those parts that he's looking for his uncle, but he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. If you're looking for your uncle, like you've got reason to be worried if he's alone in these woods. And they're like, what? And he's like, there's strange things in here, like especially to the north. This is not a good place to be. And like, I don't know, that's when he starts talking about the blue flame and stuff like that. But he never really goes specifically into it outside of just like, again, like a lot of mystery kind of surrounding it. Yeah, I mean, this. I think that he's talking about like, because there is the Dracus in those woods we find out later. And there is the whole Denner resin like yes. factory area that someone's like clearly like making drugs in the woods, which is something that they would want people to not find. So the woods definitely seem really dangerous. So yeah, that guy's like, just, you know, keep to yourselves. Mm. Uh, he ends up going on his way. Yeah, Dana and Kavod, like, let's continue to look through the woods. And Kavod is like, no, like, we shouldn't even bother. Like, these pigs have been rooting about this whole time, like, destroyed any tracks that there might. So like, let's just go back to the house. And so you're right, they do go back to the house and they go up to the hill. Oh, but first, I thought this was a cute little line because like, Dennis says something about her head still hurting, and so Kavolt's like, oh, like, here, like, he, like, peels off some bark, and he's like, eat the inside of this, like, it will help you feel better, and she's like, ew, it's bitter, and he's like, oh, that's how you know it's real medicine, like, if it tasted good, it's candy, and she goes, isn't that the way of the world? We want the sweet things, but we need the unpleasant ones, and I just thought that was cute. I felt like that was, like, foreshadowing. Yeah. That is interesting, too, because she ends up eating the dinner resin, which is, like, sweet and tasty, but it's, like, a really bad addictive drug for you. Right, right. And so I, I feel like it foreshadows <laughs> many things. Like, even Kavolt, like, trying to build this life of, like, grandeur and, like, legend. Yeah. Uh, but that's the sad part, is, like, the bitter things are what he needs in his life in order to make, give him the opportunity to grow and develop and, like, become reasonable. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, Sam and I were just, like, watching a TV show, and, like, one of the lines in the show was, like, life is really hard because, like, challenges are the only reasons that, like, humans, like, persevere and grow. And, like, if, like, the fates are gods, we're always, like, stepping in to help them, like, we would just be weak and useless. True. What show? Blood of Zeus. It's on oh, Netflix. It was, like, an anime. Is it good? Is it very anime? No, no, I really liked it. So it's very, I think it's the same people that did Castlevania. Okay. But, um, so good. It was it's awesome. like very loosely based in Greek myth, so you don't need to know like that much about like the gods. Um, but it's really cool, and they make like their own story. Like it's not based on an existing myth; they just use like characters from Greek oh. mythology. And like I thought that was really neat and interesting. Oh, cool. And it's quick, so it's not like you you have to be like super invested. Yeah, the episode's like twenty thirty minutes. Oh, perfect. Those are like my prime kind of shows. Perfect. All right, we have like one page yes. left in this chapter. Let's get yeah. it done. <laughs> so that's Barrow Hill, and that's when both notices like the lumps in the ground, and he's like, "Oh, that's kind of strange that I didn't notice them before." But he just like obviously had a one-track mind to like look at the damage from the fire. He wasn't noticing like the landscape of the hill, and Denna obviously does not want him to go in the house, but he he wants to go in. Yeah, and then they look at the stones and Kavod is like this is not real like there are not barrows around here like people don't build bears here they build them in Ventus where it's like tradition and even if they do build barrows they don't use it stones like these ones to build them like those were quarried finished stones 
They were brought here from a long way off. Like they, this was meant for somebody to build something that would last, something solid. So once again, like another analogy to the doors, the four plate door, because it's like a door that's meant to keep something. But then he goes back. He's like, I think there's an old hill fort buried here. And so they like talk about it for a minute, but, and she's like, this is on the edge of nowhere. But he was like, yeah, but back when it was built, it probably was meaning that once again, it's like built a long time ago. So something has been in there for a very, very long time. Maybe like if it is a real barrow, cause the guy, the pig herder did mention that they found bones, which could be from a fort too. But like, if it was a barrow, then like, it could just be from like a really, really old civilization. And the Chandrian are, like, ancient at this point, so it could be something that's from, like, way in their history, That's too. true. That's a good point. Um, so, like, I don't really know what it is, but there was clearly, like, purposefully sealed this artifact, like, this Chandrian item in this hill for whatever reason, even though it doesn't seem to be near anything or near anything that's important now. Yeah, I agree. And so, like... They're, like, looking around, and they, like, look over, and there's one hill a little ways away that's, like, the other tallest peak in the, like, town. And so Kaboth is like, let's go over there, we'll set camp up there, and we'll build a big fire so that if Master Ash is anywhere within 20 months, he can come to us and he can find. And so they're like, okay, let's go. Yeah, that's kind of where that the chapter That is the end ends. of the chapter. Yeah. Those are great chapters. Those were such good chapters. They were unintentionally really long. But, like, so much happens in terms of, like, Kavos' quest for the Shandrian. It does and doesn't happen. Like, he wants a lot more information about the Shandrian. But, like, this is such a big clue and a big, like, step in the right direction for him to, like, discover more about them. And the fact that they were so close by, like, it renews his, like, fervor for looking for them and hunting for them. We get all this, like, backstory with Master Ash and, like, who that could potentially be. Denna's character becomes even more mysterious than she was before so like I think this is definitely like the culmination of like the climactic end to this book like this is where it really starts so I think they're some of the best chapters oh I do too I love these chapters I mean even at the like farm I could listen to like that audiobook section or like reread those chat that same chapter just over and over and like find something new to talk about every time because it's so strange oh, totally. Kavoth looks there, but, like, doesn't get that much time to look. And it almost seems like Denna doesn't want him looking around, which is odd, too. Yeah, she's, like, half on this mission. It's almost like she used it as an excuse, and it's like, okay, we'll follow through. She's like, you don't have to do yeah. that. <laughs> Still hasn't shown up. I know. I like, almost wonder if, she, like, she's supposed to be bait in some way, and she doesn't know it, but the whole situation's really <laughs> So, um, but those were chapters 70 through 73. Thanks for being our guest again, oh, thank Jackie. Thank you for having me. I love you. Thanks for listening, viewers. You'll catch us soon. And until then, happy listening and happy reading. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, check out our website, fantasticbookspod.com. Or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Fantastic Books Pod. Don't forget to follow, rate, and leave a review. Thanks. Thanks.